Hello and welcome to the She I Am podcast. My name is Estelle. I am your host and founder of She I Am. We believe that the body, soul, and mind is our collective non negotiable. And as we work on each of these, we have recognized and realized that the people around us are a reflection of our inner being, just as we reflect onto them. We cover all topics relating to body, soul, and mind. So sit back and relax. And of course, we always welcome and offer feedback. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Body Series. I am so excited. Today we are talking all things body image and I have a special guest. I have the beautiful Miss Summer who is doing amazing things with her business called Mother of Sons and she just so happens to be my absolute bestie and solely. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to dive into this one. Me too. It's something that we discuss quite often. Um, especially because we have same, same, but different perspectives and very different things that we have gone through. So I thought today would be a really good place to start is just by going through our stories about body image and how our bodies have changed. We are both mothers. Summer has two beautiful boys and I have one child. I have a daughter. So obviously going through the body changes as a mama, going through the body changes, especially as a woman when you hit puberty. So Summer, did you want to take us through your journey? Take us through little Sum Sum and how she was at the younger ages going through puberty and your, the rest of your story from there? Oh my goodness. Okay. So I guess childhood, I was quite athletic. I loved my sport. It was the most favorite thing that I did as a child mm. was into all of it, touch footy, tag, soccer, softball, swimming, um, athletics was my like go-to. I love that. So I guess from a young age, I've always been quite a small frame and um, very tomboyish. I've always been a tomboy. Mm. I haven't really... Um, of younger ages, I always laughed because you see my photos in my mum's scrapbooks and I wore my brother's hand-me-down clothes. <laughs> so you see this little girl with freckles and whatnot and here she is rocking board shorts with long socks and sneakers with a <laughs> with a cap on. It's fashion. <laughs> it really was. You would never catch me dead in a skirt, dress, mm. makeup, like hair done, nothing. So... Transitioning through like primary, really high school actually. Primary mm. I was still very much like in my own bubble. Mm. High school was when I guess the struggles kind of came in mm. and you started comparing or observing what other women were going through yeah. or teenage girls. I was a very late bloomer in terms of like growing breast and getting my period, mm. um, things like that. So I actually didn't get my first menstrual cycle until maybe end of year eight, beginning of year mm. nine. Um, I can't even remember how old I was. You do the math. <laughs> What's that? 12, 13, maybe 14? 14, 15? Yeah. Maybe more like 15. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I didn't have it 
for very long before I fell pregnant at 17 years mm. old. And um, I guess, you know, as a teenage girl, you're still trying to find your way. Yeah. Like, who are you? What do these insecurities even mean? Um, why do you even have them in the first place? Yeah. And just, I guess, the mental battle that comes with all of that. Um, then having my eldest son, Caden, who is, oh, my goodness, 10 this year. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Time literally flies. Um, I guess the biggest struggles being a petite girl at the time yeah. was that my belly really, really stretched. Mm. And it felt towards the end of the trimesters um, really tight. Mm. Like there was no, I had no more skin left to stretch. Yeah. I also, you know, being a teenager, got my belly button pierced. Yes. <laughs> the regrets when you fall pregnant. <laughs> right. So yeah. never thought that I, there would ever be any issues, get my belly button done, look cool, whatever. And then... I fall pregnant. At this time, I had my belly button piercing removed for over a year. It had healed and then as my belly grew, it stretched and popped open. Mm. And um, that was one of my biggest insecurities that I'm still learning to love mm. because it's now become like a Y-shaped scar. Right. And as my belly shrunk back to well, somewhat of normality, um, it's now like saggy skin around it mm. as well as stretch marks. Mm -hmm. And even the battle with like breast, I don't know, I've always had massive insecurity around my chest. Yeah. Only because when you're younger, well, from my perspective anyway, boobs is what made you a woman. Yeah. And I wasn't growing boobs. Mm -hmm. Then my milk came in when I did fall pregnant and all of a sudden I now have boobs. <laughs> but then your milk, you know, your child feeds. They yeah. can't feed forever and they don't grow forever. So they eventually had to go back to shrink back down. Yeah. And then now it's like now another insecurity. <laughs> what the hell? All these body changes. I can't keep up. I'm not loving them, right. but I love my child. So how could I ever deny my body of being beautiful for mm. the creation? Mm. So yeah, there was, there was a lot mm. and a lot mentally too. Yeah. And it's crazy, right? Because we go through all of these changes and no one expects, well, no one can expect to go back to exactly how you were before because you've just brought life into this world, but mm. you still have that moment where you're like, I just wish it wasn't that. I wish yeah. I had this instead of that. Mm -hmm. And you're so quick to point it out. Um, but thank you for sharing your story. I had a very different story in terms of hitting puberty um, so I think a lot of women in my background being Maltese and Serbian, but a lot of my Maltese side of the family all hit puberty at a young age. So I was about, I would have been like maybe nine or 10 mm. when I hit puberty um, and got my first menstrual cycle. I was one of the early bloomers throughout all my school where I um, was using a razor earlier because we had body hair, all of those types of things. 
And for me, though, in my family, when you got your menstrual cycle, you were celebrated as a woman. Mm -hmm. So it was such a recognition that now you were finally becoming a woman and it's something that's celebrated and you would tell your grandma, you'd tell your cousins, you just want to tell all the women in your family that you're finally one of them. Um, Sorry if I can interrupt. I love that you guys were openly like openly expressive of that yeah whereas I had the complete opposite so it was never really spoken about Mm. I I guess being a teenager you kind of learn about it and see your friends go through it so you know it's coming yeah but then when it hit it was like wait what I don't want it Mm. what like what is this what do I do Mm. yeah so it's just yeah and I fully I fully resonate with that because my school with my close friends because I was such an early bloomer I really did notice the difference between what parents were telling their kids Mm, because mm -hmm. I had more of my friends coming to me to ask for questions and advice than they would have for their parents. Yeah. So especially going through it earlier, and I don't know just because maybe because my mother was so open about it and the way that she explained it was beautiful and just my perspective, but I had a lot of my friends that would come and ask me questions about their bodies Mm, I think that's but I love that so much but I think it also just shows the risks with parents like it is uncomfortable to have these sorts of conversations sometimes with your children but if you don't if you're not their source of truth or you're not their inner voice they're going to go seek it elsewhere Mm -hmm. and you don't always know what the influence yeah yeah, and what information that they're getting from elsewhere 100% Um, but I, so that was really exciting. The only time that I started to get uncomfortable was when we went into high school and my boobs and my hips came in. So I was like a C cup when I was 13 Mm -hmm. and I had the typical big boobies, the bum, the hips, everything was coming in. And the only time that it started to view as a bad thing was when, um, the boys would start to show attention. Yeah. So when they would start to comment on, oh, my goodness, do you wear a bra? Why do you wear a bra for? Have you got woman's boobies or whatever they would say? If it was teasing, if it was not, if it was sexual, whatever the comments were, I just felt so uncomfortable and I wasn't prepared for that. So I think even in that, there's such a strong push for even if you have boys with mm. discretion, have this conversation with them about the female body yeah. and about what they can expect yeah. Um, because that's the same thing. Boys are not taught these stuff. They're taught different things because they have different parts. So then when they see these girls around them going through changes and every young woman, young lady is different, they don't know how to communicate those differences or what to do about yeah. them. So that can come through as insulting and all of those types of things. No, I definitely agree with that. I think there is so much importance on how to teach your sons on how to respect Mm. a woman, the changes that they go through, just as well as like, you know, how you teach them of their own. Mm. And I think this is something that I really love about being a single mother is because they get to see me in every way, shape and form. Like they've seen me undressed. They've seen me... Um, this might be a little bit <laughs> no too much information, <laughs> too much info. But I am very open with my children in that sense. Yeah. So we still shower together, bath together um, on the odds odd occasions. Yeah. They have you know walked into the bathroom while I'm trying to do a poop. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll sit there and chill with me. Yeah. But they've also seen me change a pad. Yeah. 
and they've asked, you know, mummy, what's that? How come you're bleeding? Or even just like, where did I come from? Mm. You know, and I remember being told like, oh, you press your belly button and then out pops the baby and you're blessed <laughs> or like your bird brought you, the stork brought yeah. you and you rocked up on my doorstep or whatever. I'm like, yeah, no, I, this is how I birthed you. And they mm. got the, like my most honest response. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important too, because something that I can say strongly in regards to your boys and my daughter is that when it comes down to these serious conversations, just genuinely, they have this sort of maturity about them. Mm. So even with your boys, for example, they've never been, I've just never seen or heard of them being immature when it comes to something like that, mm-hmm. like a, a woman's parts or I don't know, going to the bathroom or like you said, if they're having a shower with you, they're not poking poking fun, making fun, pointing, laughing. There's none of that immaturity, would you say? Not at all. It's more just curiosity. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes a lot of people get it confused with just, yeah, either like poking and prodding for answers mm. or um, what's the kind of words that I'm looking for? I think there's there's such a strong thing with children that just from what I've seen in my background, just even in early childhood, when you have, there's a difference between keeping a child's sense of innocence, but giving them factual information, or there's that sense of just keeping everything under wraps and shutting them down. Yeah. And you can definitely see with children that get shut down that they either turn one way, which is they're scared to speak about it, mm-hmm. and they become shy and timid around any of those sorts of things, or you get the ones that make fun of and they, you know, cover it with humour, humor, yeah. that type of thing. Um, I'm the same with my daughter. She got explained everything in regards to periods and stuff like that and obviously being a single mummy too, they get to see everything. They There's no barrier of can you just yeah. look after the kids while I go and do X, Y and Z. No, you, your shadows usually come with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, but when I ended up, As a teenager, I was in competitive sports too, always very sporty. So although I had these boobs and hips, I also had, you know, the rock hard tummy and big swimmer shoulders and I was a really strong, a strong young woman. Um, And that for me too, I identified and I got myself worth growing up a lot through me being a strong woman yeah. because I was a swimmer and you're in that sort of athletic build. When you go into school and people that don't do competitive sports, they will make comments of your body. Oh, you've got such great strong back. You've got shoulders. You look really sporty or whatever it may be. So I found that I attached my body image from a young age to that. That was my sense of identity was that I was athletic. I was strong. When it came to having Mia, um, I ended up blowing up like, um, it's kind of like a water balloon. And the reason being, I, I was literally <laughs> like a marshmallow. So I started getting, um, preeclampsia mm-hmm. when I was pregnant with her. So my body wasn't coping with the, I don't even know how you explain it, but it wasn't coping holding the baby. So it starts mm-hmm. to sort of attack itself. Um, so I ended up swelling up double the size. I had real puffy face, puffy hands. My feet couldn't fit in my shoes by the end of it. If I walked more than 10 minutes, I would just, my legs would become like a big sausage. (laughs) And I felt that too. I felt the stretchiness. 
around my tummy where it was just it was all the way from your back and you just have no more skin to give mm-hmm. to exploding it's the yeah. worst feeling um but when I had Mia after I had my daughter I ended up losing 18 kilos in the first two weeks and it was purely I was losing fluid from any part of my body like Mm. my eyes were watering I was constantly dribbling I had coming out of my cuticles like I ended up getting infections in all of my cuticles just from the sweat that was coming out Um, and it was just getting rid of all of that fluid probably too much information. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Like a even just a scenario or someone else mentioning that. I've never heard of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. How interesting. So it was crazy because I, end, I ended up going to the doctors just one because I was getting like soaking the bed, my yeah. skin. I was just sweating, going to the bathroom a hundred times. It was ridiculous. And um, I went to the doctors. The main thing that I went to her for was all my cuticles started to get like pussy, like mm-hmm. on my fingers and my toes. And when I went and showed her, um, yeah, she explained that that's just your body getting rid of all the fluid from what you were carrying. It's just going ham. Um, But the good thing is after two weeks, my feet were back to normal and I was so excited to put them in runners. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm back. But it's like one thing you're like, yeah, sweat comes out of your pores and all this yeah. <laughs> like coming out of your nails. Yeah, like everywhere, crazy. everywhere, sweaty palms, sweaty feet, everything. I was just like a walking water balloon with holes in it. <laughs> um, but I was then really quick to get back into exercising after her. Mm-hmm. And that became sort of a coping mechanisms for other things that were going on in my life mm-hmm. was getting out of the house and going for long runs and walks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up looking amazing for that year after, year or two years after I had my daughter. Um, and then I started to blow up again. I started to get into a toxic environments, really unhealthy habits, and I blew up again. And ever since then, I have been a yo-yo. So if you, I find for me, it's about a two-year cycle, roughly. I will have a time where I am back to being a really healthy weight, fit and strong. Give me two years and I am double, if not more, the size that I was before. Um, And for me, a huge thing that this impacts is body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. So I really, really struggle for this, which you would know. You see me go through it all the time. Yes. Um, but basically what body dysmorphia is it either you go one way or the other. So some days I can look in the mirror and see a really skinny woman and see her like way smaller than what I actually am. Or sometimes I look in the mirror and I see her being humongous, like morbidly obese, which is, is not what I am. Um, and that is just absolutely crazy because body dysmorphia, although you're, you can say in your mind as much as you want, this isn't real, this isn't what I look like. You see what you look like. Yeah. Like your eyes, are, that's your truth it like of your really eyes. It really tricks you. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because that's the truth of your eyes. Your eyes are seeing this. So your brain yeah. can keep telling yourself, no, it's not, but you, you're not going to get that image out of your head. Um, and I'm sort of at a space now where all of those things still play the part mm-hmm. and I – I'm aware that I self-sabotage in relation to food and things like that, but I'm learning to love myself no matter what I look like. So in my mind, if I can't love and accept myself in my body, how she is now, then you don't deserve to accept her at her best. If that makes yeah. sense. And if you can't take her at her worst, 
don't accept her at her best. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what you need in order to heal, right? Yeah. You need to love. Yeah. That's the only space that's going to allow you to have the strength and the courage to get through it. Yeah. Because if you're going to constantly hate and bag on yourself, the hole just gets deeper and deeper. Definitely. And then the more love you have to continue to feed yourself. Definitely. To get, like, dig yourself back out. Mm. What kind of tools have you used for body dysmorphia? In regards to body dysmorphia particularly, so I am aware that I do it based on feeling. If I'm looking in the mirror and it's not making me feel any better, then I just tell myself that the mirror is lying and mm. I and I don't look at it for that day. That's a good one. Um, so for me, if you find what triggers you, if a body dysmorphia, it's looking in a mirror, looking at your reflection, stop doing that. When you're having an episode, when you're having a moment, just don't do it. Give yourself a break. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too that I'm finding is helping at the moment is really just focusing on what I feel and if I feel good doing it. So for example, something simple that I've changed recently, wearing gym tights. <laughs> I like the feel of wearing gym tights, but every single time I look in a photo or I look at myself in the mirror, I, I bag myself out that I'm not worthy of wearing gym tights or whatever it may be. So I wear track pants. Yes. I am finding that they are so much more comfier walking in. I've got my favorite two track pants. So much more comfier, thicker fabric. I think I look amazing in them. Just change your pants. <laughs> like it's so it's simple. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. If you're finding that you're wearing these clothes or wearing these outfits that are just not serving you, they're not making you feel good, just change it. Mm -hmm. Pick a different outfit. Mm -hmm. And even me, like being a smaller frame. Yeah. I, I love gym wear yeah. right because it's just easy yeah you don't have to spend like too much thought on getting ready in the morning when you've got two children to run around and yeah. a business and whatever that you've got um but I too find them uh, uncomfortable yeah like my belly topples over they're always rolling down yeah, like it's just yeah. <laughs> like Kmart is yeah. probably the best branded gym tights that I've brought and they're like nine dollars yes but I have spent hundreds of dollars on so many different brands and I'm just like, they're just not it. Yeah. They're really not it. And even if I want to work out in my pajamas. Yeah. Like just put on what you're what's comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Do what's comfortable for you. Yeah. And I find that that comes to it as well. There's a few different things in relation to body image. I think the biggest thing is monitor what you're consuming. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in terms of what you're watching. If mm -hmm. you're watching the typical Kardashians, if you're watching these supermodels on Instagram, yes. you're distorting your reality. If it's, I, I honestly can't say that I've ever sat down and watched someone with abs or whatever on Instagram and walked away feeling better. Have you? <laughs> no. Right? <laughs> like I've never gone and looked at them and said, oh, she's got abs. Oh, she's this. No. Oh, look at her showing a bum. I feel great. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, do you know what? I can appreciate the hard yeah. work and dedication yeah. they've put into themselves. Yeah. And, you know, once upon a time and still do on the odd occasion would compare. You know, yeah. that voice still still tries to chime in every now and then. Mm. But I think now on this self-love journey, I've been like, if I can appreciate where they're at, mm. then I know that I'm also deserving of that. Yeah, 100%. Not exactly the way they look and how they've done it and, you know, yeah. into that depth. But 100%. that I too can achieve what I would like to achieve for myself. Mm. And it's just an, another example where if another woman can do it, as can you. 
Exactly. They're not superhuman. There's no They're one no person different. better than the other. It's the same thing. Yeah. I think that there's two huge main points in regards to body image and just working through that. And, and like you said, the first one that comes to it is in relation to body image, if you're not saying nice things about yourself or you are getting doubt in yourself, that is an opportunity for you to look at your self-love mm -hmm. and what you're attaching your self-worth to. For me, I appreciate that a woman is worth more than how she looks. Oh, 100%. You cannot put a price on what an energy or what kindness or whatever characteristics that you have outside of your body, you cannot put a price on that. It's infinite. So your self-worth is never going to be attached to how you look, how much you weigh, what clothes you wear, ever. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a good opportunity to look at, yeah, self-love and where, where you are driving your self-worth from. One good tip that I found um, that I heard and I've been using and I think it's amazing is just asking yourself the simple question, if I loved myself, would I? Before you do it. If that's eating, if that's going for a walk, and you'll find that if you're, for instance, going for a walk as a punishment to yourself, it's not going to make you feel good. It's not going to help your body image. So if you were, for instance, before you go and, I don't know, kill yourself doing a big hike or something just as a punishment because you ate a chocolate, for example, if I love myself, would I do this? No, mm. don't do it. Same thing as if you feel like grabbing that chocolate or whatever, when you know that you really want to try to start focusing on your health and eat more fruits and veggies. If I, lo if, if I loved myself, would I have this? If it's no, don't do it. That's the first thing that I think anybody can implement. Yeah. The other thing that I I watched in, like everyone knows, Gaia is my favorite. It was a program on them. And I watched one of these ladies talk about stored emotion. And she said if something in relation to storing emotion and storing trauma, if you were made to feel smaller than what you are, if you're made to be quiet and feel smaller – and you do feel smaller, unseen, unheard in this world, that you instinctively make your body bigger. I don't know how true this is, but I definitely see in people around me that have healed or healing their inner work, their inner child, making themselves seen and heard to themselves, that their bodies have gone down and mm. have changed shape. But that was just something that she said that stood out to me because I was like 100%. The times that I have felt at my worst, especially being in a traumatic relationship where I have felt not seen, not heard, I've literally felt like a speck on this earth, not important, I was a balloon. Mm. I was blown up. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that that's something that your body does. Can it show in other ways? Because I too have experienced those things, have put on weight. yeah. But I wouldn't say in terms of like excessive weight. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I don't know if it would, um, of course it would show up separately in yeah. other people because it's bio-individuality. But it's also taking into the fact that me being, for instance, between us two, me being such a larger build, my excessive weight is probably going to be triple than yours. Yeah. Like your yeah. build, no matter what you did, could never get to my excessive mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah so and that's the other thing to focus on that everybody is different you've got bio individuality you hold weight different you're supposed to hold weight different some people are better at hard working some people are better at long distance some people are better at lifting heavy or quick yeah. or fast or whatever it may be um 
that your 10%, say for instance, if it's 10% change in your body and my 10% change in my body is still going to look a thousand times different, but it's still that 10%. And even just with being mums, the way you carry, everyone carries differently. Yeah. Everybody's bodies change. Yeah. Completely differently. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's funny because after I had my daughter, I didn't feel, I had a little bit of loose skin on my tummy, mm-hmm. but not that much. My weight came after like when she was about two, when I put on that excessive weight. Now, if it shrinks back, I still call it my mum tum, but it's not. Yeah. It's not a mum tum <laughs> because it came after I had I'm her. still using but mum I'm, tum. Yeah, Ten I'm, years later, I'm well, Corbin's <laughs> about to be six. So six years later and I'm still using the mum tum. Something else I use is also baby brain. Yeah. Um, I don't think those excuses are valid anymore. No, I think they do. I think they keep lasting. Um, But one thing that I really wanted to ask you about, because I know that there's been so much work being done and so many people advocating for, you know, if you're a bigger build, if you're a thicker woman, that you're still beautiful, curves are beautiful, there's been ad campaigns, there's been this and that. But I feel that there is not enough being done. And the only reason that I feel this way is through you because mm-hmm. I had never heard of it before meeting you in regards to skinny shaming. Mm-hmm. That I mm-hmm. feel is huge. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit about your experience and what that means for you? So this is only something that I've recently made the connection with yeah, because of a few recent events. I guess, you know, that there's a thing out there called skinny privilege. Yeah. That skinny girls can get away with a lot more than a bigger framed lady, etc. But I, what annoys me is that, oh, because you're skinny, you don't have any insecurities. Mm. Oh, because you're skinny, your feelings are not valid. Mm. You cannot feel that, like, if you're I'm not allowed, say, I'm not allowed. Mm. because of the size of my body Mm. however I too struggle mentally and Mm. physically and emotionally just like everybody else Mm -hmm. I didn't ask to be like this yeah exactly you know like it's this is my body this is the frame that I was gifted yeah and I am learning to love that Mm. but along the way and I guess it just I never really I too kind of fell into that oh yeah well yeah, I'm skinny. Mm. I've never hated, hated my body, but I've never been in love mm. with my body either. Mm. And so I just feel that it's it's not commonly spoken about as much as it is for bigger women. Mm. And even that, like, you know, like just terminology, like it's not. Like, yeah, like what do you, yeah. what do you, do you know what I mean? Because it's like what yeah. are the right words to use? Yeah. Because it's going to trigger someone. Yeah. And like it, that's not my intention, mm. but it's just what else do we say? Because that that's what we've all been labelled. You're yeah. either this or you're that. Yeah. Do you know what There's I mean? There's either fat or skinny, that's it. Right? Yeah. And then now you've got Like the... when you go, oh, you're medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know how they say like, oh, there's all different body shapes. Like has anyone ever said to you, I love your hourglass figure or I love your (laughs) what are pear Do you know what I mean? But it's like, no, you're either fat or you're skinny. Yeah. You're either hot or you're not. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, oh, come on. Mm. 
And I definitely think that that's just, it just shows society's view, right? Because if you, if you look at, for instance, from our stories, if you look at in regards to puberty and how kids are taught about puberty, right? You've not actually giving value to the human body, even majority of parents when they explain puberty. Mm-hmm. You're just explaining that it's a mechanical thing. Mm-hmm. Your body's just a thing. It's another material. It's like that towel. It has a function and that's it. That's what it is. So even starting on the language that you use in the early years for kids and explaining that there's so much more dynamics to our body. There's so much more like, for instance, it's housing emotions. Mm -hmm. It's carrying us through trauma. It's functioning every single day. Your body, which I've explained a hundred times before in these podcasts, but your body is literally working 24 seven to detox itself, to remove toxins, to heal and to process your body 24 seven. But even that, just even explaining that you were gifted this vessel. Yeah. And if you were taught properly how to care for it. Yeah. I don't think there would be as much. Yeah. Of that. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't be judging somebody else just on the way they look Mm -hmm. because we are not just the way we look. Mm -hmm. There is so much more. Mm -hmm. There is a soul housed in our vessels. And you can guarantee most people would nowadays tell you that you could be the prettiest package Mm. they've ever seen. But if your personality does not match that, then no, no, it's a no go. Yeah. Like I think it's time that people, people are waking up to like, it's not just about what you look like mm. because beauty does fade in the sense of you're not always going to be this young type fit, yeah. whatever. You're going to change. Yeah, I'll grow that. I think that was the moment too where I stopped looking at other people just as their package as well. When mm-hmm. I started doing this journey of inner work and working through my traumas as well as hearing other people's and their stories, people became more than just an external to me. And once you start seeing that people have got a whole lot of stories to them, that they've got a whole life that you don't even know of to them, Mm -hmm. you start to see things differently in them. So you start to see their, whether they've got childlike eyes or they've got those pure eyes or sad eyes. I think eyes tell so much more than a body. Mm -hmm. So now for me, if I'm going to want to connect or get to know somebody, I'm going to look at your eyes. Before I look at what clothes you're wearing, before I look at your shoes, before I look at your body, I'm going to connect that way. Do you have like any sort of pivotal moment for you where you were just, there's so much more? I think having Caden. Not so much in the earlier years after his birth because I was still going through and obviously he couldn't communicate that. Yeah. But as he's grown into his own little person and he's now having his own issues Mm. with his body and then the way that I'm talking to him, Mm. don't talk to yourself like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and be like let's do our mirror work, let's do our affirmations, all Mm -hmm. those kind of things. It's And I've never been one to put myself down in front of my children purely Mm. for that fact. Mm. Because I don't want that to be their voice. Yeah. Because if I'm the example, they're going to be the product. Yeah. And so it was with him that made me realize you, it's time to start loving yourself and believing it. Mm. Because he'll call me on my bullshit right then and there. (laughs) He is just like that. He's very straightforward, no ifs and buts or anything. He's just like, 
yeah, but mum, you said, remember you said this from like yeah. 2011. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still remember from 2011 you called yourself fat or whatever. He is very much like that. So I have to be very mindful. And so it was him, I'd say, that woke me up to loving my body. Mm. And because he would also touch my scars, I have never had someone lay their hands and their fingers and run them through my stretch marks and scars mm. and look me deeply into the eyes, mm. right, and just have That's a moment. So beautiful. He didn't even say anything. But mm. I could just tell within his body language and him and then asking questions like, who did this one, mummy? Was mm. it me or was it Corbin or whatever? And I was just like, how could I hate that? Right. Or, like, not love that. Right. Or speak badly about that. Like, one word that I've used in my mind and I guess openly with you and and Mm. close friends not with my children is disgusting Mm. I'd have to say that is one of the most lowest vibrational words that is in Mm. my vocabulary Mm. that I just became aware of that I use way too much Mm. and I called myself disgusting Mm. multiple times Mm. how could you me too I literally created two humans right. and birth them right. naturally right. and my body you're a superwoman it's a fucking <laughs> gift and here i am calling it disgusting and it's so crazy right because this is something that pulls me back to reality and back to being centered and and lifts my sense of body image how you said with you in regards to your children that you don't want that to be their inner voice mm-hmm. No matter who you are, no matter what you're saying as an adult, your inner child is always listening. Oh, yeah. Always. And our body, regardless if you are consciously aware of it or not, is always going to feel and house emotions with every thought that you have. Full stop. So if you're constantly saying negative things to yourself, you imagine that there is a little you inside your chest with listening and and hearing and learning from you. And every single time you say a negative comment, you are talking to that little child and they are housing that emotion. So if you look at, for instance, someone that is insecure, I can guarantee you, and this is, sorry, we dropped the microphone. And this is, and this is where, um, in regards to people and anything got to do with body insecurity, right? I can guarantee you, yes, you have those bullies or yes, you have that point in time that somebody has probably said something that's not quite nice to you, right? That is not the bit that defined your life. What happens after is that you believe them and you repeated that story to yourself or those comments to yourself over and over and over and over again. And that is what creates your sense of body image. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a powerful thing in regards to adults once you take that accountability onto yourself that it does not matter what anybody says and us 99.9 percent of women do this you will go out feeling amazing and or even if you don't and someone will call you beautiful what do most of us do disregard it (laughs) it just goes in through one ear out the other you do the same or you do the whole you're beautiful too. Yeah. Like you feel <laughs> like you, you have to compliment yeah. back you've rather than just receiving yeah. and being like, wow, they actually see my beauty. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And leaving it at that. Right. And I would almost say that if you're that type of person that's doing that, it is because you are not saying it enough in your head. Mm. So if you don't believe it yourself, how are you going to believe somebody else saying it? It's almost like, for instance, if somebody was to... If somebody was to 
tell you, oh, the sky's green. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but no, it's not it's blue. I, I tell myself it's blue every day. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If someone says, oh, you're beautiful. Oh, that's nice. That's great. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm green. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> you you know, your, your inner voice is still way too loud. Yeah. And the last thing that we'll say before we'll, we'll cut this one off is, that sounds really rude before we cut it off. <laughs> um, Summer does amazing work with children and she does amazing things, giving them tools like affirmations, meditations, yoga, all of these sorts of things in her kids' programs. If you had one thing to say to kiddies about body image, putting you on the spot, but what would you say? One thing to children about body image. It could be a tool that you would teach them. It could be something that you'd say to parents. I don't know, but just something to instill in children about body image. I know it's like really, really simple, but it's honestly helping them believe that they are enough Mm. and just to let them be whoever they want to be, Mm -hmm. not what you want them to be, Mm -hmm. not the expectations you place on a child, even from a young age, allow them to go off into this world with the curiosity and find those answers for themselves while you guide them. And I know that seems like it's like, oh, fuck, where do I start? Like, what do mm. you even mean? It's just listening. Mm. Honestly, it's as simple as listening and let them tell you. Mm. Because children are so imaginative. They're so smart and mm. intelligent. They're so connected, mm. more than we are. Yeah, they, we lose it. Literally, <laughs> we kind of, yeah. We lose it along the way a little bit and then we've got to find our way back. Yeah. And essentially that's what healing is, mm. finding your way back to your inner child, your mm. inner self. And um, I guess one of the the two tools that I would say is mirror work and affirmations. Yeah. If you don't know what mirror work is, yeah. it's sitting in front of a mirror, making eye contact with yourself mm and speaking positive words into yourself. Mm. And for kids, you know, it's just basic affirmations such as I am beautiful, I am handsome, I am loved, I am kind, I am understanding, and the list goes on. For adults, I think it's a lot harder to look yourself in the eye. So hard. Mirror work for me was so hard. Very. It's Mm. very confronting. Very, very confronting. Mm. But as the time goes on, you can start eye gazing with yourself in the mirror and then slowly start removing pieces of clothing Mm. to the point where then you can stand there butt naked in front of yourself, hug yourself, touch yourself Mm. in a non-sexual way. Or sexual if that's what you desire, whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. And literally feel your body. This is something that we do in Estelle's course Mm. and Tell yourself that you love yourself with conviction Mm. and practice it until you actually believe it. Yeah. Even apologize to yourself for saying the negative words that you've said about yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the the hugest thing that you said, which is I love it because what you've said in regards to children can be in turn and is so important in regards to adults is making sure that they feel enough. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? And creating a space where they're seen and heard simple same as adults making sure that if you are 
not feeling good enough, if you are feeling ugly in your body or you have such a tainted perspective of your body image, to start with that, making you feel enough for you. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Making yourself seen and heard. Yeah. And there's so many different ways that you can do that. But just doing that, those little things every single day will allow you to start to believe that you're okay. Yeah, it all adds you're up. Worthy. It's like going to the gym, right? Yeah. It's like the mental gym. You go to the gym every day. You don't come back home after one day visiting the gym yeah, with a six-pack about. <laughs> Unfortunately. It accumulates over time. This yeah. is the exact same thing. It's just a mental gym. Yeah. And in the flip side, you have to appreciate that you – in the flip side, if you've gone into a space where you were really unhappy, look at the time it takes you to go there. Mm -hmm. Because if it's taken you two years, three years of going through some rough things or whatever it may be that has gotten you to the space where you don't feel happy in your body, give yourself two to three years that time to heal from it. Mm -hmm. Because that is still stored in your body. All of these mm -hmm. quick fad things of two-week weight loss shake, no. six months, da 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 da, -da doesn't work like that. It it's doesn't marketing. work like that at all, <laughs> ever. Like give yourself a year, two years, three years, whatever the journey took you to get to that space. And it's just pressure. Mm. Release the pressure. Mm -hmm. Let go. You don't owe yourself anything more than the best that you can give that exact day. Yeah. And the same with your children. Let go of pressure and being so, mm -hmm. I don't know, what do you call it, like helicopter Like controlling. Controlling and whatever. Yeah. Remember that they too are just kids and yeah. they are learning. They don't have the answers. They don't know what they're doing. Mm. They're literally learning. And pure expression. Yeah. Children are pure expression. Allow them to express. Mm -hmm. But I think one key takeaway, if you're going to take away anything from this podcast today, is if you feel uncomfortable and not okay in your pants, buy bigger pants. <laughs> <laughs> really simple <laughs> <laughs> but thank you summer so so much for coming on to this podcast you're welcome thank you for having me and i know that anybody listening would have just grabbed so much value from your story and everything that you were able to speak about and stay tuned for the next podcast as always if you have any feedback any suggestions you want to ask questions please hit us up you can either reach us at um i've got my instagram for a second she.i.m.11 and mother of sons instagram is mother of sons underscore so it's mother of s-u-n-s yeah so reach out to us if you have any comments suggestions questions and once again i really appreciate that you were able to stick in and listen p.s you are all beautiful worthy and deserving and we love you all love you all full stop <laughs>